The NFL is officially back, so you know what that means. It's time to get on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props, and they are primed for the NFL season. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. They also include competitions for the NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports, where you choose 5 out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Use promo code NEXT1POD when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Hello, guys, and epic weekend. This was a doer, not do or die weekend, but this is really going to affect the mood of the episode. But welcome to the 49th edition of the Next One Podcast. I'm Ryan Collins, Brent Smith, and we got big Game 7 Celtics win, big Cam Newton debut and win for the Patriots almost got Celtics again. But Smitty, how are you doing? I, I'm assuming you're doing well if all the Boston sports are finally winning. I am doing very well uh, at the end of the show. Last week, I, I, I prayed, I begged for a 2-0 weekend, and we got that, excluding the Red Sox, because like I said, they're not a Boston team right now. Um, but as you said, the mood last week, we recorded right after game six, and it was disappointing, frustrating, um, feeling all, honestly a bit anxious because we didn't know what was going to happen from game seven. And then obviously with week one, finally getting here to the NFL season, all the talk um, from that started when Brady left, and then when we signed Cam Newton, we finally got to see it. And I think uh, I, I, if anyone said that they were disappointed, they should just not watch the NFL. Yeah, it was a great weekend overall. We were very anxious on last episode. If you listen to it back, we were very tense, scared about everything. But Celtics pulled through the Patriots. Looked like a new revamped offense, but same old Patriots otherwise on special teams and defense. So we'll just dive right into the Patriots because I'll admit when I was watching the Patriots, my brain completely forgot that the Celtics were in the Eastern Conference Finals and that they start on Tuesday. My brain was full football mode. It was so nice watching Patriots and then watching Tampa, which we will get into because Tampa looked more like the Brooklyn Nets of 2013 rather than the Golden State Warriors of 2016. But Patriots, big one. Cam Newton rushed the ball 15 times. The Patriots defense got three turnovers. Ryan Fitzpatrick did Ryan Fitzpatrick things, not killing us, but turning the ball over several times. And I just wanted to get your initial thoughts on how the team looked, especially how Cam looked. And I'm assuming I know the answer to this, but did Cam live up to your expectations for week one? He definitely did. Uh, like I had been saying and wrote about too, honestly, they were going to run the ball a ton. They will continue to do that. And obviously they did that on uh, Sunday. Did not expect Cam to be the lead rushing, uh, lead rusher for the team, but he definitely showed a lot of promise. Um, the power runs, the option plays, the uh, quarterback draw that they ran at one point. Um, they ran uh, quarterback uh, power on the fourth and one to get the conversion, and he almost scored his third touchdown there. They obviously trust him a lot to put him in those positions, especially in the, his really first week back. Um, 
going back to what, like week three last year. Um, I think if they are doing that, they're one confident in him and his abilities uh, and what he can bring to the table uh, as a, a factor in the running game. And two, that he's probably healthy um, because they definitely put him in some big positions and he definitely took some big hits. But uh, even in the passing game, I know they didn't throw it that much, but uh, I think it was he was 15 for 19 is four in completions where a drop, two bat downs. And um, if you remember it, that loft to Edelman on the quarterback pressure, pressure, he just threw it up, hoping that maybe he could make a play on it. So uh, I thought he was very accurate. I thought the Patriots were never a downfield throwing team. They don't really have the weapons to do that right now. Uh, before the short to mid yardage, uh, I, I thought he did great. Yeah, so getting to how the offense, like people are already saying that, Patriots can't win a Super Bowl. Already mad play. about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people are already saying how Patriots can't play like this to win a Super Bowl. You can't be a run first. You can't run Cam 15 times. And to what I say to them is, have you not watched Patriots for the last 20 years? The Patriots play a week-by-week basis offense, especially even with Tom Brady, where one week Brady will throw 40 times, will run the ball 15 times, and the next week you'll get – a guy like Jonas Gray rushing 30 times and scoring four touchdowns. Patriots base their whole game plan off their opponent, and I'm sure Bill Belichick's not going to make it a habit of running Cam 15 times because he knows that that can't last long-term. But for this game where the Dolphins' weakness was probably their front seven, not stopping the rush, Belichick and McDaniels attacked that. They knew what they had to do to win, and that's what the Patriots do. The game should have been a 34-11 to 11 game, but Nikhil Harry had that little extension fumble into the end zone that resulted in no touchdown. Nick Folk absolutely shanked a field goal that was very makeable, and kicking's going to be a whole... The kicking situation that we went through last year is going to happen again this year. We're going to go through the pain of... A lot of missed field goals, I believe, this year. Nick Folk is already back on the practice squad. But getting back to the Patriots' point, Cam only threw the ball 19 times. He's 19 for 15, but especially going against the Seahawks, I think we'll see a lot more passing because if you saw in Seattle, they let Russell Wilson loose, and it was an air raid attack against Atlanta. And to beat Seattle at home, we're going to have to score points. And as much as I believe in our secondary to stop them, Seattle also has Chris Carson, who is a very good rusher, and the Patriots were not terrible stopping the run, but Matt Breida, was it Matt Breida on the Dolphins? Yeah. He was Mm -hmm. able to do what he wanted. Dolphins didn't use Josh uh, Howard a lot, which was interesting. I thought Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, sorry. They didn't use Jordan Howard as much as I thought they would. But overall... Patriots looked awesome. I don't have any complaints about that. The Patriots try so hard to get Nikhil Harry going, doing everything from screens to always doing some jet sweeps across. And Nikhil Harry didn't look bad. I thought he looked pretty good, especially from last year up to up into the point where he had that fumble. Even on that fumble, he had some great yards after catch trying to extend from the end zone, but Obviously, Belichick's one of his few things he hates his players doing is extending for the goal line in the end zone. Nikhil Harry 
didn't do a full extend, but he tried just sneaking it over, and that costed the Patriots six points. It didn't cost them the game, but I think it's a good learning lesson week one, and I have some faith going into week two on the Patriots passing offense because we know they can run the ball. I don't think that was ever a problem going into this game against the Dolphins, but going to week two, watching Cam throw, all passes that were catchable were caught. Like you said, the two deflections, the Edelman drop, and the throwaway by Cam just lofting it up. I'm very, I'm a lot more confident than I was going to regular season. I was pretty confident going through the regular season. So I'm not saying all of a sudden they are the favorites to win the Super Bowl, but I believe in the Patriots' chances to beat the Seahawks. It's going to be an exciting game. Great for a Sunday night matchup. Uh, just a few things that you mentioned. Jordan Howard, so he – I barely even remember him being in. I remember him scoring the touchdown, and I was like, oh, jo- they actually have Jordan Howard. He's still in the league. But yeah. he had eight carries for his seven yards. Uh, but Matt Breida definitely had some pop in him. Five carries, 22 yards, average 4.4. Uh, I would go to look back, but it felt like he had a few big third-down conversions as well. Um, and for the offense, uh, obviously they're going to be running the ball. Uh, someone who stuck out to me was J.J. Taylor. I think he – I'm pretty sure pro football focus had him as the best running back uh, in yesterday's game. Four carries, 28 yards, uh, seven yards per carry. He also had a reception for four yards, and I believe that was a first down conversion. Uh, and he was on the field for nine snaps. He was actually the lead blocker when Cam Newton converted that fourth and one. They motioned yeah. him to the left. And five, five foot six running back taking out a linebacker uh, to, to get Cam the space he needed for that first down. So they have, if he's a weapon, like I, I think he – I don't think that was just like a fluke or a one-off thing. Um, he definitely showed some promise. He was able to use his small size to and his speed to like sneak through the defense and get right through the offensive line. Um, every hole that Sony Michelle just looks at and doesn't go to, I felt like JJ Taylor was actually able to do that. <laughs> like I saw that in him. And if he is a, a de- even a, a decent running back, just another guy, they really have five running backs uh, who can carry the ball well. Uh, a lot of flexibility, guys like James White and maybe even JJ Taylor too, but definitely Rex Burkhead who. Um, are also factors in, in the passing game. So it, it's going to be their strength. Um, really, I mean, there are only two receivers uh, that had receptions were Edelman and Nikhil Harry. Uh, Ryan Izzo, actually, that one play that he had for 25 yards, that was a, a great design. I wish uh, that we saw more out of Devin Asiasi, but maybe he'll slowly take on a role because they're going to need as many guys as possible. But um, Nikhil Harry, the fumble out of the end zone. It's a stupid rule, but it's a rule and it happened. Um, feel like he got obviously a, a lot of crap for that on Twitter for the rest of the day, but I, I don't want to hold it against him. I actually thought that he showed some promise in, in this game as well. Five catches, 39 yards, average is 7.8, and that's on six targets. Um, and I believe that other target was a, uh, one of the deflected passes. But on that drive before, he had five receptions. He had three in a row. Um, Cam was definitely looking his way. So, And, and I know Edelman didn't play that much. Uh, he sat behind Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry in snaps, and he still had five catches. Um, you will need to rely on other guys to keep Edelman healthy at his age. And I'm pretty sure he might be dealing with something if he was a, 
third receiver going into yesterday's game. I don't think that's anything about his skill. I think that's about keeping him uh, healthy. So you're going to need Nikhil Harry to step up. Uh, it was a bad play, but I feel like people should also focus on the, the plays that he did make. And Cam loves him. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if he loves him, but I should say he, um, he, he values him as a receiver. Like he's talked about it. I feel like he showed that yesterday. Um, Tom Brady, when would, when would Nikhil Harry ever have six targets with Tom Brady as, as his quarterback? Like that was never going to happen. So um, I'm excited to see next week how much of a factor he is because they're going to need as many weapons uh, as they can against the Legion of Boom. Nikhil Harry said that Cam's like a big brother to him. And I'm sure Nikhil Harry wouldn't say that unless Cam saw him as like a little brother, someone to kind of mentor. So yeah. it seems like they have a great relationship and Cam's going to do everything he can to make sure Nikhil Harry is successful, which is exciting. And to talk about there's so there's so much potential with him with his size, uh, his strength, yeah. and, and the work he put in the off season. Uh, Cam needs as much help as he can get. He's not going to be the guy that's going to shut out people. He wants to make to put everyone in the best positions, and and I think that's going to make a difference for Nikhil Harry this year. He may not end up being uh, a first round receiver like that may not be may never live up to that, but if he can be a viable option, um, that will go a long way with this offense. Yeah, last year, Nikhil Harry, according to Pro Football Focus, was they love bringing the stat up about Nikhil Harry that he was dead last in separation as a receiver, so yeah, he couldn't make any space. And I think that was partially due to him, him being injured and probably just not getting back to 100%. And also just mm-hmm. not fully trusting himself in the office where Brady expects perfection. And he knew Brady knew that offense like the back of his hand. It was basically Brady's offense. And if you're not doing exactly precisely how Brady wants it, He's not going to go your way. So he's, he's shut probably, you out. Yeah, so he's probably second-guessing what he was doing. And him being lighter and leaner, I think Nikhil Harry, like you said, he may not live up to being that pro bowler first-round pick that gets 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. But if Nikhil Harry can be close to a 1,000-yard receiver and get like six or seven touchdowns in the season, I think that would be more than uh, enough for a guy like Cam. And getting to the J.J. Taylor part that you brought up, J.J. Taylor looked really good. He's only 5'6", 205, something like that. Yeah. The epitome of low man wins on that lead block, lineback- on that linebacker leading Cam the way on fourth down. He's 5'6", 185. 185, okay. I boosted his weight a little much. But still, that is a compact dude, and – I think he was, according to CBS, they had Jim Nance and uh, Tony Romo on. I was surprised for that. <laughs> they were very excited to see uh, Cam Newton. They brought on their best uh, broadcasters for a 1 o'clock game. But I think J.J. Taylor was the 19th consecutive player. like on For the Patriots on opening night or opening day, JJ, they always have a undrafted free agent on their offensive roster playing. And I think J.J. Taylor made that be the 19th consecutive, which is pretty cool. Patriots are always finding a diamond in the rough. And a lot of people are already saying that he's going to be James White replacement. I wouldn't go that far yet. He seems to have the same skill set as James White, but we'll see on that. It'll be interesting to see when Damian Harris comes back how this offense is going to work because we did see a lot of Rex Burkhead. We saw a decent amount of Sonny Michelle, and I think Sonny Michelle looked 
a lot faster and more confident running than he did last year. He seemed to be hitting the holes a lot harder. He didn't have any breakaway mm-hmm. runs, but just how he hit the hole, he looked better. J.J. Taylor is uh, stamping his space on the Patriots' offense, and Damian Harris was the best running back coming out of uh, preseason, according to all the beat writers. So it will be interesting to see when he's back. I think a lot of people assume he'll be back after his three-week IR stint, how he fits and meshes in the offense. And Mm -hmm. to talk about the defense, the secondary looked awesome. J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, they brought it up on the broadcast multiple times how these receivers aren't getting any separation against these cornerbacks. The only way they got separation is if they did pick plays where or crossing routes to kind of get the cornerback off his rattle. That was the only way they're getting open. So that makes they me did really... get away with the blatant pick too. I, they... I still don't know how. Yeah. They took out, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was Terrence Brooks. I forget. Mm. I forget who, exactly who it was, but. Yeah. And I think Terrence Brooks had a pass interference in the end zone that allowed the Dolphins yeah, to score did. their touchdown. But. And Stephon Gilmore had two uh, pass interferences, which were probably both valid pass interferences but at the same time someone as great as Stefan Diggs Stefan Diggs Stefan Gilmore they're gonna have to dust the cobwebs off a little get back into the groove because he's only been facing Patriots wide receivers and according to everyone Patriots wide receivers suck so he hasn't been going against great competition apparently so I'm sure this was a week just to get the dust uh the cobwebs off trying to get back into the groove I knew uh, I didn't know Josh Uche was going to be out of that game. I was kind of looking for him, then I realized he was out. But it'll be interesting to see if he's healthy for week two, how he fits into the defense role. The linebackers looked viable, I'll say. They didn't obviously look superstar because I don't think any of them are superstars, but they look good enough to get the job done. But previewing week two, it's going to be they're going to have a huge test going against Chris Carson in that running offense because. While the Seahawks passed a lot week one, I'm sure against the Patriots they'll look to run a lot more because Patriots' Achilles heel on defense is run defense. Yeah. Um, The Patriots, with their effective running game on Sunday, were able to control the clock. Um, They're going to try to do that against Seattle. Seattle may try to do that as well. Bill Belichick is the king of uh, time, the time of possession battle. But if you mentioned the passing game, if they go down early, they're going to have to pick it up and put some points on the board. Um, so we'll see how the Patriots react to that. Um, I am curious to see how uh, their front seven holds up in the running game uh, with Chris Carson, but it's going to be a battle. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for that game. Russell Wilson scares me. Russell Wilson, everyone always says how underrated he is, but I don't think Russell Wilson's underrated. I think we all say he's underrated just because he hasn't won an MVP, but this seems to be the year Russell Wilson has a great chance to win the MVP, obviously only one week down. but And I'll also say the AFC, I mean, NFC West looks strong, so that makes me a little concerned for the Patriots where Kyler Murray beat the 49ers. The 49ers already struggled with Kyler Murray last year. But Seahawks look great. The Rams beat the Cowboys, which I don't know how much that's saying because everyone falls into the Cowboys 
the aura of the Dallas Cowboys thinking that they're going to the Super Bowl every year because they have great talent, but they can never put it together. They look like the exact same team. Yeah, Larry looked the exact same just with CeeDee Lamb outside as well. But Rams look great. Patriots have to play them. Arizona look great. We're assuming the 49ers are still really good or great. And obviously Seattle pieced Atlanta. So, which uh, at the same time, Atlanta always sucks in the beginning and then they kind of pick it up at the end. But Patriots are going to have a tough schedule ahead of them. Las Vegas Raiders, they just got out with a win against Carolina. And then they face the Kansas City Chiefs week four. So they got a tall task ahead of them. I think for the Patriots, you got to win at least either the Seahawks game or the Kansas City game. I do think we're going to beat Las Vegas Raiders, not to count them out, but I just think the Raiders aren't good enough to where they're a significant threat to beat the Patriots. So you got to win one of those two Seahawks or Kansas city. I think it's more likely we beat the Seahawks because even though we're going to Seattle, they don't have any crowd. The 12th man won't be there. And I think Matthew Slater was quoted today saying that he's very happy that the 12th man won't be there. So yeah, they don't have to worry about it. This is the best chance. This whole scenario is the best chance for the Patriots to beat the Seahawks at the Seahawks. And I think the Patriots do have to take advantage, jump to two and O and We'll see. This will we'll find out very quickly if the Patriots are a legit team over these next four to five games because their schedule is so hard so early. What do you do? You think the Patriots are legit after Week One, or do you need more games to make that decision? Uh, it's definitely too early to tell, especially against the Dolphins. Uh, next Sunday will be a fun matchup, and I am curious to see how they do game plan for the Seahawks. I actually still think you will see um, a lot of running by, by this team. And if they can get out on an early start, control the clock. But Seattle's very good. Uh, they have a better offense with Chris Carson. They have Carlos Hyde now. And then Tyler Lockett, uh, DK Metcalf, who had a great game on Sunday. So, And, and then Greg Olson, who randomly uh, is still kicking yeah. around. I mean, I'm not concerned about him. But they definitely have some weapons. And the the Patriots have the defense to match up with them. Um, but it, it's going to be a battle that it's really going to depend on the Patriots offense. And if they can um, utilize a passing game, if they can actually be a threat, if they need to be, uh, I don't think they're going to win this game. I would put my money on Seattle. Uh, I don't think they're going to beat the chiefs either, but it, it's a long season ahead. They do have some tough matchups. Um, and, and I think they could go down early in the beginning of the season, but it, it's just a matter of, keeping it together, keeping everyone checked in, um, and just keeping the, the trust in the team. If they beat Seattle, I think that makes a huge difference um, because, like I said, they have tough ma- matchups, and I don't know. They could potentially be under 500 for the first seven games. So it, it could be a huge momentum swing. And so while we're on predictions, Smitty, give me your score prediction for this game. I'm taking Seattle. Uh, I'm going to say 27-21. I think it, it it will be a close game, but uh, Seattle right now, they're in a better place. Um, their offense is exactly the same as last year. So I, I felt like the yesterday teams that had the same offense and the same coaches played well. Um, like the Raiders, for example, I would not have expected them to beat the Panthers 
but but they did. They came out. They they played more consistent. Uh, the Rams, who I will continue to shit on, they have a good defense, a great defense. I I still don't trust their offense, but they had consistency. Uh, the Cowboys couldn't do shit, and and they still won. So I, I I think that makes a huge difference for. And obviously the Patriots are. I mean, Cam Newton's new. I feel like they prepared him well. Uh, they showed what they can do. They showed a lot of flexibility, but. Um, Seattle's offense showed that they can be legit. Uh, they can be a real contender for the Super Bowl this year. And, and I think that may end up being a tough matchup for the Pats. Okay, so Bill Belichick has officially brainwashed me. Not officially, we'll see on Sunday. But I am a full believer in this team for two reasons. One is regarding the Patriots. I just think their offense is like an octopus where – it just morphs and changes, and it's not going to be the same twice. I think we're going to see a, not a completely different offense, but a more pass-heavy offense. The CX A lot of play have, action. Yeah, a lot of play action. CX only have film on week one against the Dolphins, and I don't think we're going to look anything similar to how we played the Dolphins. So Patriots are at, at a huge advantage in that end. And my second point is whenever it feels like Everyone's getting a little high on the Seattle Seahawks, especially when you beat at the Atlanta Falcons where there are no defense, all offense, all stats. If you had trash. Yeah, if you literally had any Atlanta Falcon on your fantasy football team, they went off and they still lost by double digits. So they're a completely different look. Patriots are a lot more legit on offense, not necessarily on offense, but on defense and meaningful offense when the game's close. And I think the Patriots are riding a confidence. Everyone loves Cam. I, Cam is set out on a mission to prove every single team wrong. Obviously, the Seahawks weren't one of those teams where they would have needed Cam Newton. But Patriots, to me, feel like they're on a mission. And... Obviously, I'm not sure how great the Seahawks are yet because they played the Falcons, and I think the Falcons scream six and ten, not seven and nine to me. So I'm gonna be ultra Patriots fan. I'm gonna be a Mark and go Patriots twenty eight, Seattle twenty six. I Seattle has a five and a half point. I think Seattle's a five and a half point favorite against the Patriots at the moment. We'll get that into Jared Gamblers. But if it's up to me, I think the Patriots keep this really close. And I think Seattle's going to struggle against the secondary because J.C. Jackson matches up really well against D.K. Metcalf. Stephon Gilmore, I believe, can keep up with – I'm forgetting his name. It's Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, the uh, Douglas Baldwin lookalike. And I think Seattle Seahawks are going to struggle – with their pass offense. It's a matter of if we can limit them rushing the ball. And it's not a matter if you can stop Russell Wilson, if you can slow him down. And I think the secondary, especially as fresh as it is, as healthy as it is currently, I think they can do a lot to slow it down. I don't even believe, did Tyler, did Kyle Duggar even play in week one? I didn't really see him that uh, much. Let me pull up this. He did not really play that much. He played 11 snaps. Played 11 snaps. I just think there's so much potential with this defense with all the young guys we have. Everyone speaks so highly of them, and there's no tape on the Patriots. All the tape has to be burned, especially on the offense, because nothing you've seen of Brady the last 20 years is what 
the Seattle Seahawks are going to see on Sunday. And the Patriots have the advantage of surprise. Seattle Seahawks don't. They will be doing the same thing. Belichick will be prepared for the Seahawks. And I think the last time we played the Seahawks, we lost to them uh, mm-hmm. in a really close Two one. Years so. Ago. so Belichick's going to have Four it up for them. Ago. Four years ago, yeah. When I think they showed it on NBC. Gronk dropped a pass in the end zone. It could have been pass interference. But it's going to be a completely new team. Patriots have the advantage of secrecy on their side and the essence of the unknown is on their side. And I'm going to, obviously it's me being a little biased. I'm going to stick to that unknown. It's going to be a close game, 28-26. And Cam is going to look legit in my opinion. Uh, Just a couple points too. Uh, Key to the game will be, containing Russell Wilson, if they can put a lot of pressure on him. Uh, shout out to Chase Winovich. who had a great game yesterday. Really it was on the field for, I believe, let me check that. I believe it was 63, 68% of the snaps. Jonathan Simon as well put up 68. Uh, you had a guy like Adrian Phillips, who is listed as a safety, but pretty much was playing linebacker. He was in a line outside linebacker position, rover, rover position when he got the interception. So if they can get that pressure, Uh, on Russell Wilson if they can contain him that's going to go a long way and a quick conspiracy theory as I've been saying um, they are going to be a run heavy team but I wonder if they I felt like the their passing offense was very cookie cutter very basic obviously with no preseason with the being week one they're just trying to get into a rhythm Um, but I actually wonder if they're going to try to do more and do new things uh in the passing game against Seattle because they will need that more. Like they can run the ball as much as they did and beat Miami by 10 points. Uh, And it should have been a lot more than that, but there's mistakes that work out, but I don't think they'll be able to do that against Seattle. So maybe we see a lot more in the passing game, like you mentioned. And uh, like you also said, there's no, there's no film on it. So maybe, maybe we see some fun stuff coming, uh, coming in a few days. You saying that reminded me that, it appeared, according to Tony Romo, Jim Nance, and my eyes as well, there was a play to James White. I think it was just a handoff. Oh, yeah. Pitch, and it looked it was, like he was, uh, it was a pitch to the right. But, yeah, he was going to pass it back. He definitely was going to, um, but it wasn't there. I think he thought it was too risky. And I don't know if Cam was – if that was a double pass or if that was supposed to open something up for him to take off. It didn't look like anyone was, was really over there. Or I should say there – there wasn't any Harry was over there. There weren't, but there weren't any linemen or anyone to protect him. And he had a safety right on him, um, pretty much sitting home as a QB spy. So mm-hmm. I think they're looking to see if they can get something open. And maybe, you know, maybe it is a pass, maybe someone gets free. Um, the difference between Cam Newton and Tom Brady is Tom Brady obviously wasn't a threat to take off. You'd get that opening because you don't have a quarterback spy on Tom Brady. It might be a bit more difficult with Cam Newton. Yeah, so my last point is there will be some trickeration, especially against the better teams like Seattle, the Ravens, Kansas City. Patriots will use some trickery in the offense to make plays happen. Uh, McDaniels has shown time and time again he's willing to do that, and especially with a threat like Cam Newton that can run and throw. He is a big threat to maybe go for a pass, the double pass 
from James White back to Brady. So I'm sure they have a lot of trick plays up their book that they've been working on, especially for specifically for Cam Newton this offense. And I'm sure we'll see one or two on Sunday. But Smitty, the Patriots weren't the only uh, team playing on Sunday. We had the debut of Tampa Brady at the Saints. It was very weird that there were no, for some reason, the Saints having no fans in the crowd looked weirder than any other place just because you see those seats in the dome and you're expecting crazy Saints fans. And there's no one in there. And Tom Brady on his first drive looked great. And we're like, oh, crap, Tom Brady. He just needed the weapons. He is back. And then all of a sudden. sneak for the touchdown. Yep. Everything was going to plan for the Bucks. It looked like a super team, that first drive. And then they kind of came back to earth where the Saints, the team that's been together for the past four or five years, kind of showed them who's the boss of the NFC South. Brady threw two picks, which I'm it's getting mixed word, whether it was Tom Brady's fault or Mike Evans on the first one. At first, everyone was saying it was Tom Brady's, but now today I think Bruce Aarons came out saying that was actually – he did. Uh, I still think it was Mike Evans' fault, though. He weren't. He stopped where he did. He was wide open. If he kept running, he would have ran into double coverage. I so think, you think he, it's Tom Brady's fault. I I feel like it was Tom, Tom Brady's fault. I believe Bruce Arians probably said that because he's been shitting on Brady a bit much uh, in his. Press he's, he's getting a little aggressive the, the with his uh, talking yeah. Brady. <laughs> yeah, but he forgot that um, their offense was not ready to go. Their defense looked like shit. Their offensive line looked like shit, and they were extremely undisciplined. Uh, they, I believe, ended up with 10 team penalties. Let me check that, and I'll get back to you on that. But regardless, that one, in my opinion, and from looking at it, looked like it was on Brady. Evans was wide open. He, he sat in the open pocket, and Brady thought he was going to keep going. Uh, I don't think that Evans misread that route and the defense on that play. The second interception was putrid. That was like, we were talking uh, a few weeks ago about Tom Brady having like random, terrible interceptions in the Super Bowl. That was one of those plays. The out route, mm-hmm. it, it was it was there, but he threw it way, and I, uh, I don't even remember who he was throwing it to, but it was way behind the receiver. Uh, and now I'm going to blank on the cornerback's name too. Jenkins? Intercept. Yeah, uh, I believe so. Let me check that too. But, Actually, I can tell you right now. It's like after his first name, something Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins. That's Janoris who it Jenkins. was. Yes, he, he walked right into the end zone. So shades of Titans <laughs> wild card round. That was probably a little PTSD for Brady, but they did not three look uh, consecutive games with the pick six for Tom Brady. And one more, and you tie Matt Schaub for the NFL record. Another record for Brady, maybe in the books for next week. So we'll see on that. But Tom Brady, the reality of the situation is Tom Brady's going to have to get used to having a, a team that's not as an undisciplined yeah, team, offensive line not protecting as well. Him having to hold on to the ball because he has receivers like Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, who do deeper routes that take more time. Tom Brady's really going to have to get used to the non-well-oiled machine in Tampa is compared to the Patriots where even though there's a lot of new players on the Patriots, a lot of new schemes on the Patriots, Bill Belichick got his team ready and Bruce Arians did it. And that is the bottom line of the situation where Patriots came out 
looked like they knew what they're doing, knew what they wanted to get accomplished. The pay, the Tampa Bay Bucks first 10 to 15 plays looked like they knew what they're doing. Then after that, they're like, okay, now what? We don't know what our bread and butter plays are. We don't know what sticks. And Brady had some good looking throws, but he also had some really bad looking throws that made him show his age where mm-hmm. Brady's throwing good deep balls and he got Mike Evans only had one catch for two yards and a touchdown, but two big plays were deep throws to Mike Evans that got pass interference calls that moved the ball up a lot. Uh, Brady has this short white guy in uh I'm blanking on Anthony his Miller. Anthony Miller. I think he had seven receptions for 70 plus yards. He looked good. Um, he had seven receptions for no, sorry, five receptions, 73 yards. He was second behind Chris Godwin, who had six for a 79. So it's gonna be this offense, I'm expecting it to look great week two against the Panthers. I'm sure they'll go back to the drawing board and Brady through sheer determination will make this offense look good, which it is really good. They have they're basically the Browns, but hopefully the more confident Browns because the Browns suck apparently, which we kind of knew. But what I'm trying to say is this could all go crumbling down real fast if they don't get it together because the Panthers look really good. Terry Bridgewater looked really confident against the Las Vegas Raiders. And if Tampa doesn't get it together, I mean, Gronk, he was doubled almost every play it looked like, but Gronk was invisible. Uh, OJ Howard looked pretty decent, but they didn't go to him enough. I think Brady is at his most comfortable throwing to tight ends like OJ Howard and Gronk. I I didn't see Cameron break any receptions. Gronk might be the third best tight end out of the threesome while watching it, but it's still very early. But I don't know. It's it's gonna look it's gonna be very interesting to watch Tampa because I think we all still think they're gonna be a really good team, but at the same time, there's just something in the back of my brain saying that. What if this is the best as it gets that Brady right now at 43 years old is a guy that can look really well one game, but then can't consistently do it like he was doing it three or four years ago, which I don't mean to sound like Max Kellerman because that's literally what Max Kellerman says every single time and it's annoying. But the reality of the fact is that Brady didn't look good. I'm not, Drew Brees didn't look that good. They're, he just threw a bunch of short passes. Like Michael Thomas only had two catches or something like that. It was mostly the Alva Camara show and the defensive show for the Saints. But for Tom Brady, for this team to be good, he needs to be more than competent. He needs to be more than average. He needs to get it out to his receivers to make plays. Let Mike Evans make plays. Let Chris Godwin make plays. Let Gronk or O.J. Howard or whoever. And this game didn't prove it. We'll see in the future if it's a Bruce Arians issue or Tom Brady's issue. I think it's 50-50 right now. Bruce Arians was a little unfair to Brady making it all Brady's fault when at the end of the day, I don't think Bruce Arians had his team ready. I think the Bucks were kind of a little too overconfident about just having all the stars in the world. And also to mention, Leonard Fournette did absolutely nothing. Uh, Ronald Jones... Five carries, looked, five yards. Yeah, Ronald Jones looked okay, but... Leonard Fournette. 17 for 66, 3.9 average. Yeah, so they're going to need to get that running game going, and I'm not sure 
Leonard Fournette seems to be the type of running back he needs 15 to 20 carries to get his thing going. And obviously you can't give Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette both. So they're going to have to make a lot of personnel decisions who they want to focus and key on getting the ball. So the Bucks have a lot of work to do. And again, they're probably going to be the most interesting watch for week two to see if week one was just a bad week or if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't as good as we thought they were. I'm not too concerned about it yet. Uh, like I said, with the Patriots, no preseason. Uh, it's their first game with a, a whole new offense, really. With Brady, it makes a huge difference and the changes that they have put into their offensive game plan. But I think they'll figure it out, they'll work out the kinks, and, and they'll, like you said, get the ball rolling. But they do have a tough matchup next week against the Panthers. So uh, see if Brady got that fire lit under his ass, if he's pissed off, he didn't look too happy after the game and how he comes out. I know you mentioned Gronk. Uh, he had two catches for 11 yards. They um, used him primarily as a blocker, but I don't know. I felt like he, he was uh, sluggish, slow. I didn't see much out of him, honestly. So I wonder how much he can actually contribute if it's going to take a while for him to get going or if he just he doesn't have it. Yeah, especially since he missed a whole year. So it's hard to fully have it week one. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the new atmosphere of not having fans play in front of probably creates that sluggish attitude a little. I don't think Gronk is as bad as he looked week one. I think Gronk can be a lot better. It's just a matter of if Bruce Arians and that coaching staff can get plays together to showcase Gronk. And it's interesting how Saints did double team Gronk a lot and didn't double team the wide receivers on the outside, which is an interesting call. So that makes me think that Gronk still has potential. Or maybe they were assuming Brady would kind of lean on Gronk as a crutch because he's the only player that he's used to playing uh games with. But they're gonna be an interesting watch. Uh obviously the media is making the battle of Belichick versus Brady, Patriots versus Bucks, who's gonna win who's going to be seen as a better player, but I think any rational person will see the tune say Tom Brady is a 43-year-old quarterback. He's not in his prime. So which, if Brady struggles, he wouldn't struggle 10 years ago if he had this offense. This offense with Brady 10 years ago would probably be the most dangerous offense the NFL has ever seen because Brady's never had this many weapons and – Obviously, in his prime, he's a lot better. Not saying Brady's – well, obviously, Brady's out of his prime, but we don't know how out of his prime he was because he still had a lot of great games last year with the Patriots offense that, again, everyone said has no weapons. So, like you said, we shouldn't overreact to it. It's hard not to overreact to it because seeing Brady throw two picks was Jameis Winston-esque, and a lot of people made those Jameis Winston jokes. But we'll see how it goes. Right. He was happy on the sideline. Yeah, there's a nice uh, the camera cut to him, and he was just on his tablet, looking scared, like not knowing what was going on. It's also depressing seeing Josh Rosen in the stands because the practice squad was sitting in the stands, and you see James Winston, number one overall pick on the tablet. Josh Rosen, a top, I think he was a top ten pick, maybe eleven. Yeah, top ten in the stands, just watching the game, and you see the two forty-plus-year-old quarterbacks duking it out, which. It's funny and sad to see, and 
people still haven't given up hope on Josh Rosen, but I think at this point, if he's bounced around like this so much, it's hard not to lose hope in Josh. I mean, Josh Rosen, especially if he can't make the the team. But when Blank Gabbard is the backup, not Josh Rosen, but also he did just get signed, so I'm sure he'd have to fight for his position. But getting away from Josh Rosen talk, I do think Tampa still can be good, but week two is going to say a lot about it because if you can't beat Carolina, then there is a storm a coming for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I don't think it's going to look good. But that's a maybe. So unless you have anything to talk about, we I'm ready to talk some basketball. And I'll admit, I think I said at the top of the show, is I forgot basketball was even happening on my couch Sunday. I was just in a football mindset. And I flipped over to ESPN. I'm like, oh, crap, the Clippers and Nuggets are playing game six. And, oh, crap, Clippers just blew a 19-point lead in the third quarter, and now they're going to game seven, which I'm very happy about because now the Patri- Patri- the Celtics play at 6.30, not 9 o'clock on Tuesday or today if you're listening to it when the show comes out. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. No, Who would have thought – who would have thought that – Celtics making the Eastern Conference, Final, Eastern Conference Finals would be going against the Miami Heat. I don't think anyone or not many people would rationally think that it wouldn't be if the Celtics were in the Eastern Conference Finals, it wouldn't be against the Bucks and Giannis. But the Heat did away with the Bucks in five. I mean, Giannis was out for game, mostly game four and five. So you can use that excuse. But when Giannis was there healthy, the Bucks beat him three times in a row and we lost to them in the bubble without Jimmy Butler playing. Obviously this is the team. It's a lot better chemistry wise. I think that was the second game of the Celtics in the bubble or maybe third game, in the bubble against the heat. So using that as a reference point, they lost, but I just want to get your initial thoughts on the Celtics being in the Eastern conference finals against the heat initial thoughts on how we match up and also great point is it's really sad that we're going against a team that has Kelly Olenek and uh, Jay Crowder, I'm, Jay Crowder. I'm saying Jameson Crowder of the jets. Uh, yeah. Crowder. It's going to be a uh, interesting to see. We had them on those Isaiah Thomas Celtics teams. We we're hoping that they could get us to the NBA finals. And now we have to go through guys like Olenek and Crowder to get to the finals, which is very ironic. And it'll be very interesting to see how they match up. So, Smitty, give me your initial thoughts on the season conference finals. Uh, very excited for it. It was a great game seven, a lot of back and forth right up to the end. Uh, Marcus Smart with the LeBron James-esque block at the end of the game on Norman Powell to secure the victory. Um, and then the Celtics go one and four on, on the free throws. Uh, Tatum saves Grant Williams' ass with that offensive rebound. I love seeing that. I thought he showed that he can be more than just a scorer um, on, in game seven, and especially right there. I mean, that offensive rebound, fighting for the ball there, that really secured the victory for them. Um, one thing I am concerned about is Kemba. Boxing one, the Raptors did a great job. Eliminate, eliminating him towards the end of the series. Uh, I'm curious to see what Miami does and if they can 
be as successful as the Raptors were. I do think the Raptors are better defensively. But it, if they eliminate him, uh, the Heat are a better team than the Raptors, in my opinion. I think they have more talent the way that they've been playing. I think it's going to be a more difficult series. And if they're able to eliminate Kemba, then the Celtics will could be in trouble. If they get Gordon Hayward back, that obviously make a huge difference. If Marcus Smart keeps playing the way he has, um, I think he should stay in the starting lineup and and keep contributing. I think he'll he'll keep that going. And then you need Tatum and Jalen Brown to be consistent, put up points. They need to feed off each other. And if they can do that, they can they can win the series. Uh, another concern that I do have is uh, Bam, and I'm going to betcher his name, Abadayo. The uh, Celtics. I don't know if that's how you say it, but I'm not sure how you say it. But I don't think that was. Quite... I don't even know. Bam Adebayo. Is that what you said? Adebayo. What did I say? Abadayo? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Adebayo. Bam Adebayo. We'll Regardless. learn his name very quickly. Yeah. As he, I think he's going to be a dark horse for the uh, Miami Heat in this series, depending on who matches up against him. But we have no big men. Tice is a foul king. He ended up fouling out at the end of game seven. So he's going to be a, a big factor. They were able, able to shut down Siakam. The Celtics were able to eliminate him. I uh, didn't really do much during the series, and we'll see if they can do that with Adebayo as well. Yeah, this team's very interesting because you got the sharpshooters for Miami. You got Bam. You got Jimmy. They seem to be pretty deep Duncan on their Robinson, bench. Tyler yes. Harrow. They're mm-hmm. definitely a deeper team, but top five players between the two teams, I think the Celtics have four out of the five. I agree. I it really, for me, comes down to Celtics get so hot and cold shooting threes. One game, they'll go almost 50% shooting threes and blow a team out. And the next game, they can't hit the side of a barn. It comes down to the Celtics being consistent shooting. And it's just so annoying when in games, especially against the Raptors, they'd start games, the games they usually lost against the Raptors, they go 0 for 8 from 3 right away. And instead of just trying to like drive it inside, take it inside, and work your way into out, they just keep chucking up threes and it's like, guys, it's not working. And I'm sure Brad Stevens' method is like be aggressive, drive it, or shoot the three. Don't take the twos. Even though Jam Brown and Jason Tim are very good uh mid-range jump shooters. But the key for me is if you're if the Celtics get cold from threes, I keep wanting to say he's Patriots. If the Celtics are cold from three, you gotta be aggressive, drive to the hole. That's what Tommy Heinsohn would want. And my second key is Marcus Smart is so important to this team, offensively and defensively. He had a triple-double against the Raptors, I think, either game five or game six. Game and six. Game six. He's the, like He single-handedly kept the Celtics in that game, even though it went to double overtime. He was so important in that game. And for him to be successful, be aggressive, is keeping the ball in hand. Let Marcus Smart make plays for you because he – Sets people up so well. You have to accept the little crazy things Marcus Smart does where turning the ball over, making dumb plays, just following at the wrong time sometimes. But he does so much good for this team. He brings so much energy and life for this team. He's so important. For him to be successful means the Celtics will be successful. And there's no better feeling than watching Marcus Smart just draining threes. That's when you know the whole offense is going because – when everyone's in threes, Mark Smart's also in threes, and he'll chuck up every single three he sees. So 
threes and Mark Smart are my keys for the Celtics to be successful in the series. And he didn't shoot the threes too well in game seven. He was two for 10, but defensively he was uh, a huge asset. He covered Kyle Lowry on 25 possessions, held him to 0 for 1 shooting. So if he can do that, if he can keep that up, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown played good defense on Siakam. If they can contain J- uh, Jimmy Butler. And then if Marcus Smart can contain Goran Dragic, who's the second highest scoring player, on their team in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler's at 21.8 points per game. Goran Dragic's at 21.1. I, I think they can easily win. Uh, they just need to play consistent. They could have won game three and really put uh, put the Raptors out of contention. I think if they went up 3-0, the series would have been over in five games max. Uh, they can't let that happen again. They need to get off to a strong start, play consistent, and don't give this team a chance. Don't give them life if you have them, if you have them pinned down. I agree. Celtics got to work on closing it out. I think that's one of their main problems as a team is just when you're up in the fourth quarter, just keeping that league. Don't let the door open again, let them back in. So if if we want, I just want to get your prediction on the series. I know who you're going to pick, but I want to know how many games you think the series will last. I, I think that we are going to see the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. I'm taking them in seven. It's going to be a battle. I'm actually so excited for this series. I don't think I would want them to match up than any other team, not because of skill or anything like that, just the way the Bucks played. Uh, they're really the only other team I would have considered that the – the I almost just said the Patriots now too – that the Celtics <laughs> have not played. And it's going to be a, a lot of back and forth. I think they're easily comparable teams. And I'm really excited for it. I know, like you said, and I kind of forgot about two until today. Like with the NFL coming back, I completely forgot the NBA were still in the playoffs and we're at this point. But um, it's going to be sports galore for the next few weeks. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be a stressful time for Boston fans with Celtics, Patriots. I was talking to my dad yesterday. Imagine if the Bruins were still in this. We would be up to our ears in stress in sports which would be nice but for the Celtics I think we do match up well against them I think Bam Adebayo is our worst matchup but Daniel Tice it's gonna be Robert Williams Daniel Tice and it was interesting how uh Ennis Canner barely played against the Raptors it'll be interesting if he gets more playing time to cover Bam because the Raptors didn't have that one really good big guy they had Marcus all but Mark Saul isn't as much of a factor as Van Adebayo is at this point. So I think Celtics win in six against the Heat. I think we got to stomp them out in game six because if that goes to game seven, I'll admit I'm a little scared of angry Jimmy Butler in a game seven to go to the NBA Finals. I think Jimmy Butler is crazy enough just to will his team in a game seven to a championship, to make it to the championship rather. And There's nothing I want more, and there's nothing I think the NBA wants more than to have a Boston Celtics versus L.A. Lakers NBA Finals. And with the Clippers maybe losing to the Nuggets, I think that's a huge advantage for the Lakers. I think the Lakers match up a lot better against the Nuggets. If the Clippers, But the rigged NBA will want the L.A. matchup for the Western Conference Finals. They'll make it happen. Yes. So, But at the end of the day, NBA wants Lakers Celtics because that's the only way they get huge ratings, especially with the NFL, the upcoming election, 
NHL, MLB, college football. There's so much competition for the NBA, and the only way NBA is going to make noise is have a Celtics-Lakers NBA Finals matchup. And the NBA will make it happen, I think. It's going to be Celtics in six. We'll see what happens with Nuggets, Clippers. But I like this. I like this team a lot. I like their heart. The only thing I don't like about this team is they get they fall in love in the three when they shouldn't. But it's just so nice. I just want to rub it into Kyrie Irving's face that, boom, we don't need you. We got Kemba. Kyrie, you had the same exact team, and you couldn't get out of the second round, and this team could be going to the NBA Finals. You scrub. You scrub Kyrie Irving. And I'm really, really excited for the series. And I'm just so spiteful against Kyrie Irving for no reason. And half the reason I want them to win is just to laugh at Kyrie Irving's face. But that's just me me being spiteful uh and do you have any other points Celtics before we uh move on with the show I, I ha, it's hard to have points right now just because we don't they've had a three day off so it's hard to find points where until we watch the games and see the key factors and it's hard to tell between these two teams yeah I think we'll learn a lot in game one and if they are able to get Gordon Hayward back and he can be the lead scorer on that second unit coming off the bench, that will play uh, – that will end up being maybe the, the serious deciding factor for the Celtics. And uh, that's someone – if they do advance, they will need no matter who they match up against in the finals. But not jumping ahead, it's going to be a tough series. It can go either way, and I'm just excited to watch it. Me too. It's going to be fun. The Miami Heat have only lost one game in this playoff, so they are not to be slept on. So now we're going to wrap up the show. Smitty, give me your walk-off take. I had two real quick. I had one, uh, but a second one just came up as we're watching the Monday night matchup between the Giants and the Steelers with Big Ben already in uh, an arm cast. Uh, so we'll see what Is that really happens. Arm but, cast? Yeah, he had one of the – um, oh, like no. long, I don't. I honestly haven't been paying that much attention. I don't know if he got hit. Uh, I'll have to look into that after. But Tom, um, no, it's, it, it, Tom. it's already starting for him. They're about. He's coming back on the field, but I don't know. You know, I I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. Top five quarterback, my ass. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my second take. Uh, going back to what we said about the Dallas Cowboys. They came out and they looked like the exact same team. They had added C.D. Lamb. I thought Mike McCarthy actually knows how to run an offense, and they would be – they'd come out strong. Like I said before, uh, teams with new coaches and new players definitely struggled yesterday, but it, it was honestly kind of pathetic. So it was, let's see if they bounce back, if, uh, if the Cowboys are <laughs> the Cowboys that they have been the last few years. Uh, they, they have serious problems, and hopefully they can break that. I don't even want to say curse, but more just this lull that they've had for 20 years now. My walk-off take is everyone, not to get into my Stephen A. impression, but everyone's been sleeping on that bad man Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay. Four touchdowns against a Vikings defense that's supposed to be top 10 in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers picked them apart and... For me, my walk-off take is that Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. He's on a mission. They finished 13-3 last year. They finished as the number one seed in the NFC, and people are still doubting 
the Green Bay Packers if they're going to be any good this year. And Aaron Rodgers with a huge exclamation point on the week one season. And I think you Green Bay Packers are not to be messed with. And maybe this offense is finally clicking. The defense is supposed to be pretty good. The Green Bay Packers can be pretty dangerous this year. And all the hype has been around Seattle. It's been around New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Arizona. Green Bay has not gotten any of that hype on the hype train. They drafted a quarterback, Jordan Love, who by all accounts does not appear to be anywhere close to be ready to be an NFL starter. He's not even the backup right now. Green Bay has a different backup quarterback. He's the third string quarterback currently. They used their second round draft pick on the Boston College running back who only had three attempts, I think, in the game. I think Aaron Rodgers is just a pissed off man that wants to take it out on other teams because he can't take it out on his coach in his current team. So Green Bay Packers, watch out. They are dangerous. A.J. Dillon had two attempts for 14 yards. It's not bad, but second round pick when this is a draft class with so many wide receivers, you got to give Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver. Got to help him out. And now Aaron Rodgers saying, I don't need your help. I'm just going to ball out four touchdowns. Put the team on his back. Put the team on his back. And I think, obviously, we're not going to see four touchdown games every game, but we're going to see a reinvigorated Aaron Rodgers this year. But with that being said, nothing else to say. For the next one podcast, I'm Ryan Conley with Brendan Smith. This has been the 49th edition of the next one podcast. And until the next one, until Celtics Patriots play, thank you for listening and Boston rise. This is our time, quarantine time to win championships, baby. Go Pats.